Folk, noise, electronics, improvisation. How can radical music help us manifest new possibilities for thinking and imagine new ways of organising community through ritual behaviours, actions and languages? You're listening to the Liquid Architecture Podcast. Today, Adam Golubieski describes how he has extended the drum kit to include mysterious and unusual objects, outlines the pleasures and difficulties of collaboration, and reflects on his recent performance at the Oratory Abbotsford Convent for Liquid Architecture's Ritual Community Music Series. Adam Golubieski is an experimental musician, composer, and musicologist who uses drums and self-made objects to explore the basic characteristics of sound, volume, timbre, register, and time, as well as their relationship to the performer's body. My name is Adam Golebiewski. I'm Polish experimental musician, sound artist. It's so so problematic to call it music in, in certain situations. And it may even offend some people. But I am definitely works with the sound uh, phenomena which uh, comes straight from experimental uh, practices mostly 20th century and of course the story begins here because uh, it gives so many other possibilities that it's fascinating and probably was like main reason i went into it it appears so broad so open and giving so many possible faces in terms of of sound, of course. I was born on uh, on the island, one of a very few Polish uh, island on a exact border with Germany. It's called Uznam Island. Also, my little let's say label where I uh, release stuff now and then is called Uznam. This already indicates importance, but of course it's important. And I was born then; I was uh, brought up then. I don't have this history that you know I came from musical family and whatever. My parents loved music, so the music was there, and uh, as some important books too. But it wasn't uh, key to the decision to start to treat it serious. But definitely it was important, or maybe even this was a sort of foundation of it, uh, not very uh, conscious. My father was, for example, listening to that, we will call it like prog rock thing, 
sometimes like a Sunday dinner we have as a family, me, my sister, and my parents. And my father was turning on Pink Floyd, this uh, record, Atom Heart Mother, with this cow on a famous cow on a, on a cover. And pretty, like, uh, ascending triumph uh, form and dynamic growth uh, up there. I'm, I'm not a fan of... Uh, this type of music right now, but but as a, when you're listening as a kid, like, let's say some heavy horn section, um, motorcycle sounds uh, accelerating, few motors, motorcycles combined with some synth sounds and some uh, experiments. This and few other records impacted me for uh, later years. But definitely, before I start doing music myself, I already have pretty broad or broad enough knowledge about avant-garde music, like Sanakis to Anthony Braxton, uh, Cajun tradition uh, type of uh, things. And some, just one day, I it was like some mind thing on my early twenties. But I exact knew what I'm, uh, I want to do. Of course, previously, I do have some uh, encounter with music. Like I, I went to music school to play some uh, meaningless instrument at Citira, at Citira and, and did some you know, collages on cassette uh, player, those things, and then do some samples on computer. But I don't treat it so important as just start to touching the sound percussion thing uh, most important thing is you don't need to read and learn yourself any manual or you just instantly do this and it's very immediate also within experience like experience music throughout speakers it got its limits so to skip those limits it's better to have no limits. Every new sound is like the one I love the most. It's like with romances. <laughs> but honestly, yeah, the, the point is to, to dig in this uh, matter. So there are some temporary faves and, and one you know very well. But because, as I mentioned, I was born on this island on Baltic uh, sea coast, which is not super special in, in terms of uh, sound uh, environment, but it's just surrounded by sea, by sort of port, uh, harbor, I mean, 
with a lot of industrial stuff. And also you got this, uh, you know, seagull plug everywhere. And basically sea sound, I mean, waves breaking, you know, on the shore. And there is something very elementary in it. So I think subconsciously it may impacted me a lot. This mixture of harbor trains, uh, sounds, and uh, water being everywhere, of course, sound on the surface of water drives differently, and water itself also is shaping sound uh, broadly. So I think this was very important, uh, and I, I remember this particular sound image of train delivering with coal from ship. And it was like slow, very heavy, dragging it with uh, enormous amount of, of high frequencies. And I hear it from the other side of the island. So especially at night, this sound uh, like uh, Renaissance choir music, which I also very much enjoy. So uh, also like, you know, drums are associated with short uh, sounds. For example. Or so I like uh, to uh, do it inside out and produce long sounds. So I, I got a few of these techniques. Uh, one is uh, even uh, initiated by uh, a circular breath and make this, this long harmonics uh, drone uh, slash organ sort of effect. And it can span for like 15 minutes. Primer sound device instruments are uh, percussions uh, instruments, uh, drums, and hundreds of other objects. So, which basic nature is to produce sound by uh, stroke, by hitting. Musical instruments are all, all also objects. I mean, it's a, just a, a shell which could be a human shell. Uh, in some traditions, the human skull was using as a resonator and a piece of elastic thing on top of it. So this is also object. I mean, culture wrote the story, but it was still the same thing. So it's more like assembling modules. So if you open yourself some uh, digital instrument and you have these modules or creating these patches and uh, grouping them, etc., etc. This is uh, very, very much the same thing, in fact. 
But that's true from a culture history perspective and perception perspective. What people see is there's a bunch of quite mysterious objects uh, laying around, or maybe some of them he holding. Some of these objects he can identify, oh, this is like a little weird symbol or a little gong-looking thing. Oh, this I don't know, I want to touch it. And of course, I hate it when people, you know, go there and, and just touch it like it's for sale. Or That's another angle of it, that those objects look very nice, they're very pictural. So I, of course, uh, I'm exaggerating and I'm, I don't uh, blame those people. There's a lot of objects which looks uh, nice, but their first role is to be uh, useful in sound creating from metal to plastic to to all other sources of oh, well variety of metals like aluminum gives uh, totally different sound than bronze uh, or stainless steel or just black steel or whatever and then the texture matter then there is a form matter a size matter so there is like tons of uh, factors which can define one uh, object. And of course, then there is a, a collision between something already known, history, tradition, uh, like body limitations or uh, unlimitations, if we can say poetically, and then this object, and it gives very oftenly uh, unique uh, sound uh, picture and experience. I don't want to sound too smart or pretending to be too smart, but of course there is sort of transgression uh, in fact to you taking something which is very well known, like music and uh, musical instrument. Instruments have this uh, special role in uh, society because they instantly associate with something very professionalized, very special, that you need to uh, be trained person. Yeah, you sing violin and uh, first thing you're doing is like rather step back because it's uh, there is so dense force on it that the, this virtuoso thing. And it's <laughs> funny enough, it's not only Western art uh, music tradition, but uh, also different one, yet it's not exclusively for every culture, this uh, distinction between uh, everyday life and everyday uh, man. 
and professional artists. But to the extent I am aware, there is uh, it's it's very symbolic and meaningful such a thing. I often work with drum set. Drums, it's a quite new invention, I would say, early 20th century. In a way, we know how it looks. And it was just assembled to have less people to employ in orchestra. So we have, you know, every feet, every hand, everything is developed to do something which was uh, done by a few guys uh, before. At least this is one of the theories. And musical history is already there in this particular set of uh, things. So it interests me when I could bring something completely different sound-wise from that set of objects everybody knows. Like when you talk about drums, people uh, sometimes do, very often do, uh, this gesture. Sometimes uh, I'm finding out the technique I I was, you know, doing in a studio, like Tibetan monks did a thousand years ago. Well, not the same, but but the, the same principle. To make it more interesting, because uh, I'm not a person who keeps time and using, uh, in some projects to limited extent I do, but also have this more or less free just oriented projects, collaboration, which uh, naturally are gravitating towards uh, Pulse. So, of course, and in my solo uh, performances uh, I also uh, now and then use uh, like uh, unisono sound grouping but despite that I don't uh, operate it in a way that uh, tradition expect from uh, musical from from percussion instrument the whole accent is put it on uh, let's say extended techniques and being very close to the instrument in terms of body also those objects are actually these little patches um creating uh, sounds which are fascinating me and just uh, bring me pleasure because it's a sensual sensual thing, sound uh, experience, which which also needs to uh, give you some sort of pleasure. And it's, again, perversy, because (laughs) from audience perspective, there's no much pleasure there. It's very raw and rough stuff in this uh, piece uh, in front of their eyes. I actually use uh, tons of different objects, uh, big and small, and uh, incorporate that with very close, sometimes very aggressive uh, approach to instrument. 
The other part of it was uh, the fact that within a drum was like dummy head with microphones. So people who listen it on headphones was like transported into the drum, listening it from inside the drum perspective. Of course, to some extent, but but it, but it was quite successful. Uh, Maybe it's, it was like very condensed uh, example of what I'm doing broadly with just drums. Making music is uh, very group practice, very, you need other people to do it. The greatest fun is from coming from the fact you do it with other people because you're like outside your own uh, mind in a way. And uh, ideas appearing and showing up, uh, the, the things that you never would think of. And of course, it's not only a, a pleasure. Sometimes it's it's difficulty, and it's like uh, can be really hard. Of course, slowly throughout the years, uh, you just start to play with people. Then it just this tree grows and it develops itself and with some you just meet once or twice or few times with others uh, you work more on a regular basis let's say once a year everybody got care or his own tree so those branches are touching and then you know waving and the forest is uh, growing but yeah, this this I could talk really long because behind every collaboration is uh, there is some uh, story. But I think that most of it is based on improvised approach. I mean, again, we we only for uh, sake of, of uh, language probably we divide improvising from composing. <laughs> improvising is nothing else than like instant composing, right? Yeah, how about you like some sound you produce and you're just holding it or creating it two minutes longer or 20 minutes longer than you initially plan. So you make a strong decision to do it and throughout that time you're not doing anything else. So uh, it's better to be careful. I mean, I'm trying to be careful because, of course, nature of sounds, it's non-verbal. But for convenience of understanding, yeah, it's based on improvised uh, approach. Uh, my disco guys, who I was invited to do a project here in Australia on uh, for Unsound Adelaide, are rather coming from different backgrounds from me. 
more this metalish uh, thing. And still the first day in the studio, we just more mostly improvised, but with a focus on particular figures and movements we can create, which eventually after this uh, week uh, in a studio ends up as as pretty tight composition. And with some other artists we just met once, uh, make music for uh, two hours, very often in front of audience, and so far that that's it. And it was uh, like phenomenal moments. possibility to play in uh, and liquid architecture in a great group of people really noble mission and a very nice audience I must say mm, it wasn't the easiest set the room uh, which uh, used to be a chapel this was uh, the place where people pray like masses uh, happened there so it already uh, it has this uh, strong impact when you just setting things up and definitely not to play uh, <laughs> without the intention of playing religious music but uh, I felt quite discomfort uh, in a few occasions because first of all the previous two set was very personal and subtle and delicate in a way and they give this warm hug to the people and even towards myself I was like backstage but hearing everything and then you know this this wide bold guy come and made you know Come like like spoil the night, <laughs> but apparently people uh, like it. The amount of reverb in a room, I I decide I oftenly decide to get myself off the stage because this division between stage and audience also is a part of what we talked uh, previously. I'm not a big fan of it. If I can get rid of that uh, separating, I'm uh, doing that step. So we drag objects and drums and percussion to the middle of a room and people somehow naturally surround me. And then sounds uh, surround them uh, or us all. There is very strong reverb in a room from that perspective where I was placed. So I need to deal for my own uh, will with this amount of reverb, which gives you, which is a, a virtual collaborator. So you do this, but it 
sustains for 10 seconds, for example. And a lot of very rich harmonically sounds I create also returns to me. So things I would do normally quite different. Last night I also did uh, quite different. And this was this discomfort, which uh, is very much need and very much uh, it can learn you uh, or remind you about uh, to not be too confident about something that it can be after, you know, 200 tries or 200 executions of something. The same thing can be still a different. It was very, very nice uh, experience. I think people like it or maybe mixture of hating and liking it. But uh, according to applause, they rather enjoy it. Music in this episode was performed by Adam Golubyowski and recorded live at the Oratory, Abbotsford Convent, on Sunday the 24th of July, 2022, for Liquid Architecture's Ritual Community Music Series. You can find more details at the link in our show notes. This podcast was produced by Mara Schretfeger for Liquid Architecture on the land of the Gadigal of the Eora Nation. We acknowledge them as the traditional owners of this land and recognise that sovereignty has never been ceded. We pay our respects to their elders past and present. Liquid Architecture is an Australian organisation for artists working with sound and listening. You can support our podcast and online journal Disclaimer through a Patreon subscription for as little as $5 a month. Find the link in our show notes.